Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Best weekend of football of the season is here upon us. I don't think that's in, I don't think, I think that's indisputable. Uh, and I will only say that this, this could not have gotten better because they actually loaded the schedule in perfect right. ascending order where yeah. the games start out with the least interesting and get a little more interesting and build into what it feels like in another universe where we're no conferences, no, you know, we're reseeding based on true strength of teams. Uh, are, are, could are, you be rewriting, the are you rewriting John Lennon's Imagine? There's no conferences. There's no conferences. A definite crescendo up. And yes, all we did was piss. Even though the games were enjoyable, we had fun, and some bets even went right, there was nothing about last week's schedule that was pleasant. They messed everything up, and yeah, this one just feels right. I'm excited. These next two weekends are my favorite two weekends of the football season, and for the divisional playoffs we brought in a guest to talk a little football with us because normally we cover 16 damn games and we need to fill a little time so we brought our friend george we've talked to a few times over on his show but we've never had him over here and especially with the niners probably making a run at what will this be super bowl number six <laughs> well we we wanted to at least get george on while the niners are still in the playoffs. still alive. So this is probably yeah. our last and and you guys me. had to you know you threw a little <laughs> a little stray their way right you said the games go in, in ascending order from worst to best and that's okay that's right We've got you right where we want you, which is thinking, <laughs> thinking that Jimmy G's shoulder is, yeah. you know, three screws missing from being fully functional and that, you know, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner won't make it and all those things. That's where we want you thinking. It's okay. Okay. I have some pointed thoughts on that game in particular, and uh, oh, there may be some, <laughs> there may be some disagreement between you and I on that one. But uh, before getting into that, first of all, yeah, welcome to the first ever you know, guest appearance on the deep dive. It's great to have you here. Um, can you give people a little bit of background, how you got into this? Because I know, you, you know, people may not know, they may just think, oh, you're just the uh, you, you know, you're just a smiling face opposite the the brains over there that they yeah, throw, right. you know, they throw it in, in there to keep things, you know, keep things balanced. But uh, in reality, you have a pretty important role over at uh, PFF. And as far as I can tell you, it's growing quickly. And, uh, you know, how did how did you get involved with there in the first place? And uh, what is it exactly you do over there? Hey, what is it exactly you do around here? Um, <laughs> uh, my favorite thing is when um, people comment on the podcast saying like this guy, you know, what an idiot. Look at these idiots. How do you have a job? You know, whatever. And I'm, I want, you know, I, I don't engage, but like I would point out that um, I don't get paid to do a podcast. <laughs> that is, uh, that is not what I get paid to do. I do that out of the fact that it's what I love to do. And Eric and I, you know, uh, when we came to PFF, we started the um, R&D and analytics portion of the company. And that was primarily focused, you know, on building things for teams, um, you know, and solving math problems to help teams make better decisions. And, you know, gosh, there's only so much we could do with, <laughs> with some of them out there. Um, but that was how I started it at PFF. And um, so my math background is in math. Um, and, uh, you know, that was what I thought was going to be like my dream job. And I did a complete 
180. I now don't care about, I don't not care about, but I don't work with teams at all. Um, I'm the GM of our consumer business. And so I am thinking about how to make um, our subscribers' lives uh, better and more um, enjoyable, um, which is something that I'm excited about because it's never been a huge priority for PFF in the past. Um, you know, PFF has always been enterprise first, right? Like our team clients, we have all 32 and it's a huge, that's how our business started. Um, and our website, people may not know this, but like our website was really just, um, like a redheaded stepchild. It just kind of like showed up there and was like a <laughs> nice thing to have. And we're like, we think people will subscribe for this maybe because teams like some of this stuff. And, um, so I, I made this pivot, um, little less than two years ago, one and a half years ago. And um, I'm really excited about the things that we're doing. We're hiring a bunch of people. I spend the majority of my day <laughs> thinking about hiring people right now. Um, whether it's in, if you're out there and you're listening, go to pff.com slash jobs. Like if you're a product manager, if you're a designer, if you're an engineer, if you're a data scientist, hit us up. Um, so that's where we're heading. I would say like I could talk about where the space is going for, you know, hours and hours and no one wants to hear about that but one of the no, places no, no, it's no. going you're wrong. Oh, you're, you're one wrong. of the places you're it's wrong. going is what we're going to talk about you're which wrong. is yeah. which is betting <laughs> it's it's super fascinating oh, i'm yeah. excited about it what about you know I, i'm not you know i'm just hearing this in the grapevine a lot of the edge subscribers are asking for uh api access to the data is that when when is that rolling out <laughs> when does that roll out it's a yeah. it's a great question you know it's interesting andy i haven't heard <laughs> that request from edge huh. subscribers that frequently <laughs> you must be one of the few i mean we have a we have a discord group and a lot of people yeah interesting that. i'll have to go back and Check look the at comments the on the youtube it's, it's there it would be it would be easier it would be a lot easier to do things if that were the case but no i've i've oh always my gosh. it's a it's a nice uh, deep you know pff obviously a nice tool to have in the toolbox to do some player comparison stuff and you know there's a million stat sites out there but i can't believe this the website was a red-headed stepchild it's got a nice look to it yeah of course thank you i appreciate that that's uh very kind of you to say i think it's only going to look better that's the that's the good news and your point around api access is interesting because you know our our subscribers are an elite group <laughs> even you know we have a, a product <laughs> called elite but like the people that subscribe to pff are an elite group in the sense that they think about football and data in a way that is you know is not super common and so sure. when someone says i want an api and then you think about okay what does that mean like that's great but someone that isn't going to whip out you know um some code and like actually do something with that data what are they trying to get done? You know, what are what are the jobs that they're hoping to hire our product for? And um, it's not too dissimilar. They're just not going to build the tool themselves. So, you know, so it's kind of like figuring out how you can give them that flexibility and allow them to ask questions without forcing them to, uh, you know, ingest an API and write, write lines of code. That makes sense. Um, what you guys offer at PFF, in my opinion, at least, is pretty is pretty unique. And, you know, honestly, like there are a lot of players in the Sharp community who you know, give you guys a hard time for reasons X, Y, and Z. It's not worth recovering, you know, covering all that and really trying to push back on all that. It's just I sit back and I look like you guys thought of something very, very original, which was like we are going to quantify player evaluation, something that has never really been tackled and certainly has never been done well, uh, even at the kind of baseline quarterback sort of level. You know, before PFF came around, it was literally just like 
you know, what's your your quarterback rating? Mm -hmm. And like it was that was even a black box to most people who cared about football. Um, And now all of a sudden, like it's part of the common vernacular, like PFF grading and like, you know, just in general, like, you know, quantifying quarterback performance, quantifying player performance on the basis of PFF grades is now, you know, it's now it's a real thing. Like, do you uh, what do you guys think of or talk about as far as developing products so that you kind of keep that edge Mm -hmm. on the rest of the market uh, and it's always sort of the best and the go-to now as it continues to become even more uh, you know of a household sort of um, evaluation tool yeah it's it's a great it's one of the things that I'm glad you brought it up it's been one of the things that I've been thinking about most um, probably over the past you know two to three months because when you're building when you're building a product one of the things that you have to think about first is like what's your superpower you know, some people call it superpower. Some people call it a moat. You know, what's what's the thing yep. that you yep. have in your product that people have to get there and they can't get anywhere else? And you're right. You know, the PFF grading is it, it, so many people know it, regardless of why you subscribe to PFF, whether you are a fantasy player, a better, both a fan that hits you in, in, you know, for any of those, right? You can, you can use it in different ways. And so I think about it in two ways. The first is how do we continue to innovate what PFF grading is, you know, treating it like something that is a living, breathing, improving uh, product, not just one number that you see, but rather like PFF grading, there's so many things that you can do with it that we haven't thought of yet or that we've thought of, but we've never spent the time to really, um, you know, actually leverage it in that way. And I think about betting in, in a lot of those scenarios where, you know, the the way that we present it was not ever thought of for like how bettors use it. So I'll give you an example. Like if you are, um, if you're someone that shows up on like Sunday morning and you open your phone or your computer um, and you look at, PFF grades and maybe on a lineup chart or something like that, you probably have a ton of questions that show up, which is like, well, is this guy injured? Um, I don't see this player. Where is he? Um, What about in this particular matchup? You know, what is, you know, there's all these contextual questions around it that are really interesting and that help people gain confidence in uh, the decisions that they want to make. And so I think there's a ton of room there. The other point that I would really hammer home. And I think this is one of the things you were getting at is how do you improve the grading process? How do you make the grades better? Because, you know, we work really, really hard to be as objective as humanly possible and grade every piece of the game that we possibly can. There's a Steelers quarterback. Yeah, right. (laughs) That that was fun last year. and, And that's a good point, right? Which is how do you make it more objective and how do you make it more all encompassing. And, um, you know, I would look, the first place that I look there is machine learning and the innovations that you can make in terms of capturing data about players. Um, and then how you can use, um, what information you have to better build, um, grades and, and, um, in the context that matter, uh, to people. So I actually, as funny as it is, like we've had PFF grading for a while, I get really energized and excited because I actually think we're on the verge of 
taking it from like one to 99, you know, I think zero to one was really cool and it's kind of sat there for a little while. And, (laughs) and, um, to me, it's one of the things that has the most room to grow almost. Okay. Uh, And that's why I think it's one of the most fun. Like I love watching football. That's the whole main reason we do this is like, it's my favorite sport to watch. I like a lot of sports. I enjoy watching almost every sport. Hockey, I'm just not, I'm not quite there yet, man. I like college hockey. It can be frozen for, but football is my, one of the most fun. And it makes me think of something that's come up a lot in the chat. You guys are all tennis degens, apparently. Tennis <laughs> is being bet a lot today, especially yeah. by the chat. Jesus, guys. But it, it's fun, too, because. Mogarutha, you know, the, it looks like she's going well, you, down, you think, think about the Think about the tennis handicap, Drew. You think about somebody like, hey, this person can't handle the ground strokes. This person can't yeah. handle this back end. Like, sure. there's. There's one v one golfer. You this person is not set up to play well on this course. This person does not play well in these conditions. This field is too tough for this golfer. Like the yes. the contextualization is a lot deeper than that. But with football, mm-hmm. it's like man, you're looking at let's say, even even let's let's take a step back from an individual player. You look at a defensive line, start looking at their run blocking or their run run defense grades, whatever you want to call it. But you have to think about like so many different things about it, mm-hmm. it takes 10 steps past as for the scheme that defense runs the teams they've played who was injured in those games who rotates in on that defensive line how many snaps are these defensive linemen actually like this guy might have a bad grade but he's he's a rotation guy he's only in for like 55 percent mm-hmm. of snaps you know what what kind of scheme are the other teams running what kind of scheme will they run this week how healthy is their running back like there's there's 800 layers and questions and it, it's i think it's the most fun puzzle to try to solve because it's just a it's like a nightmare and actually to go specifically into, from from that thought and from your commentary into well what are we how do we apply that to this weekend uh, three of these four games are rematches, guys. Mm-hmm. We have you specifically can go back and look at those games, a bunch of them which were early in the season. You know, two two of them were at least. What was when was the third game? I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah, they, all three of them were all early. Were, were all yeah. all three of them were early in the season. Um, and you know, good luck remembering who played in those games without just you know looking. You know, you no one you can't tell me who played without looking it up at a minimum. And then how did they play in that game relative to the rest of their season? And honestly, like just having a normalized, because normal, because really good or bad grading or otherwise, just having a normalized process is yes. incredibly valuable. And like, you know, you say like, oh, well, you, you can haggle of like, oh, well, it shouldn't have decimal points or 99 versus 92. What does that mean? Like, you know, like you, like you can poke holes and do something. First of all, no one else is offering any other tool that I know of, at least, that can give you a normalized look at player level performance and in- impact on the game. Um, and realistically, like there's got to be something you've teased out of the uh, kind of season long's worth of grading that this week that uh, is useful in this handicap. And uh, is there anything off the top of your head that you're like, man, uh, you know, this could be misleading or the market mm-hmm. seems to be high on this team, but they're missing this that was important about that game that you can kind of glean from looking at the player performance data you've got. I, I think there are a couple. And to your point, I, you know, the, so the, Niners Green Bay was week three. I think LA Tampa Bay, I think was also week three. And then Buffalo, Kansas City, it was week five, I want to say. Um, and I I went back and um, one of the cool things on, on PFF is you can see um, the recaps for those games. And like we do a really detailed recap where we go through each position group and like how did they perform, you know, who got 
whipped who didn't you know so on and so forth and that jogs your memory around like oh this guy played this guy didn't play you know all those things kansas city to me is the team that is the most different now than they were back in in week three you know i think you can look at tampa bay and the injuries they suffered in that game and say yeah it's probably a little different um yeah green bay I don't know. Devontae Adams was still cooking people in week three. Like, I, I don't know that it's changed that much. Um, Jimmy G's shoulder may be a little looser <laughs> this week than it was. But Kansas City fundamentally on defense is a completely different team. Uh, Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram did not play in that game against Buffalo. The Kansas City defense or offense was mired in this inability to figure out how to matriculate the ball down the field, you know? And um, I mean, they were. Two weeks later, they barely beat the Giants. <laughs> I don't know that there's ever been a win that, that is more damning than the Kansas City Chiefs not covering and barely beating the Giants. And so that would be the game that I would look at. And it, I think it's a really interesting one because all accounts, I mean, the Chiefs, I don't believe, have been less than a two and a half point um, favorite in, in a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes um, or maybe even with Patrick Mahomes in general. And, you know, they're one and a half point favorites. Total 54 and a half, there is a lot of love for the Bills. And it looks like money is also on that side, like most of the big bets thus far for whatever that's worth, you know, at this point, um, it's early in the week, um, are, are on the Bills. And the Bills are interesting in that they are a week removed from destroying a Patriots team and getting a lot of love for that but two weeks removed from playing a pretty close game against the Jets. And, you know, I never want to overreact to a one-game sample, especially when on the first drive the quarterback throws it away and it turns into a touchdown. So that would be the game, and I know it's it makes you queasy to, like, bet against the Bills, but um, that would be the one where I do feel that the team is the most different from when they played the first time. So you're telling me because the Bills are not going up against a defense full of players that they bought a target – they may not look quite as they may not look quite as as uh, as dynamic this week. Is basically that, that's saying. a good way of putting it. Also, a quarterback um, that is uh, capable of winning a game when they're not spotted fourteen points. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously, like Drew, Drew has a lot of hopes and many money invested in the Bills, but like yeah. it is probably safe to say without any context numbers or anything that the offense and the scoring probably takes a step back for the bills this week. But it's a, it's an interesting point you bring up about like going back and looking at the season, because it's crazy. Like when you do this constantly, you just forget about games, especially oh God, forgettable yeah. games. Like I was looking through a schedule and one popped up and it said 14 to seven. It was a chiefs game. And I, I had to, I, it took me like three seconds. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I, purposely forgot that i think like yeah jordan love played that yeah game. They, didn't even score, wanna, they didn't even score 14 points they scored 13 yeah i, I went yeah it was 13 7 that's what i went i went back and like looked at that game i had to go look at that box score i went i it just sucked me in i looked at the drive charts I'm like what was this like what were the chiefs at this point in the season and uh yeah i mean the the biggest point i think too is like the maybe the the sentiment after those games like mm -hmm. you get these you get the sentiment for certain teams, and I think you're not going to see that in early week betting. Like the 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 rah rah Bengals, you know the rah rah Bills. Although 
you know, you talk about the betting market. I, I guess people probably are excited about the Chiefs as well, too. But I think if a team is coming off with a lot of public sentiment and you end up with early betting in the week against them, you could probably just sit. You can probably sit and decide what the late week betting is going to look like on a lot of those. And I don't know if that's something that's starting to, you know, blend into your forecast a little too is starting to look at the betting markets and how they move as far as you know how these teams match up or how the betting market feels like they're going to match up yeah where do you guys think that closes it's the last game of the weekend which means you're going to get a lot Lots. of chasing. a lot of money right at the end yeah like probably probably, probably two, two and, and a half, half again yeah, yeah two and a half. It'll, it'll come back just i think it's probably close flood. to the bottom for the chiefs if you want chiefs now I wouldn't wait until Sunday. I think you're gonna have to get involved one of either today, tomorrow, or Friday. Yeah, that, that was kind of my take on it too. And um yeah, it's also one of those games where I think the prop markets are are interesting um as well. And like so if you're waiting, you know, if you're gonna wait on bets to place, I you're gonna you know, those are the ones to wait on if you're going to wait, they won't move as much. But if you're gonna, you know, if you're like you said, if you're gonna bet the Chiefs now, um, you know, snap them up. But yeah, that that game is super interesting, and it's I'm glad it's the last one, um, so that we can uh, we can like wait and wait and wait. If all the games suck, we'll just be like, it's okay. <laughs> I got so one I'm... other one other process question for you. Unless Andy wanted to make your no, go ahead. I want to hear this. Okay, so your data data science background math guy self-proclaimed math guy uh nerd among us um how much of your process at this point is qualitative like the idea of trying trying to evaluate the market get a feel for it's going this way it's going that way it's going this way because of this because of that like you know like uh do you would you say you have a you know like 60 40 split 60 percent you're coming up with a number from the data in hand and 40 percent you're trying to get a qualitative layer on there is that ballpark yeah, I don't know if it's quite um, that extreme. I think uh, to detail my process, and I'm sure Eric's um, is similar to this, um, although he's more, I think he's looking at numbers earlier than, than I am um, until we come together on the forecast and talk about it on Sunday night. But um, I try, you know, I know what's in the model that we use, right? So I am, when I'm guessing what I think the lines should be, I kind of know where I think the model might lean based on, you know, what it takes into account. And so basically the process for me is, okay, what's my initial hypothesis? Where's the market on that? I will bet just purely based on, on those things, right at, you know, right on Sunday night, right when, when lines open. As the week progresses, when I see, what our, what our model thinks. And I look at the, you know, where the line is presently, it's kind of a combination of three things. So where do I think this line is moving? You know, do we think we'll get a better price at some point? And is there something that is not in, in the model? And this is important for everyone out there that's doing this. It's like, if you have a model, you don't just blindly bet the model all the time, right? Like you want to have some, especially in, in football with like spreads and totals. In, in things where you can bet like hundreds of bets, I would blindly bet the model. But, um, but in, in those situations, there's, there is piece, there are pieces of context that are not there. So, you know, when it comes to betting spreads and totals, like I just want to be careful that I'm not 
just going with the model without at least first thinking, is there something that's not in there? But if there, if there isn't, then generally my take on it is you're, you're kind of an idiot. If you believe in math, when it works in your favor, like when it, when it jives with what you think and then go, Oh no, I don't really feel this one. I can't bet it. Like that's, that's weak, (laughs) you know, to put it, to put it bluntly. So generally, unless there's something that I feel or that we feel isn't a part, you know, already baked into the model, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to side with that and I will, I will ride with it. Uh, So some stinky confirmation bias when you, when you feel like, when you feel like, "Ah, I feel like I'm going to be betting this team and then you run your numbers and it's like, man, I'm pretty much on market. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you run into that point and you go digging. Like you go digging for that confirmation. I'm going to find something. Maybe there's a matchup angle. I can yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe there's a matchup angle. And I think to Drew's point, I was yeah. thinking how I'd answer that question too. I don't think every game is the same. I think sure. there are game. There are games where it's like these two. I'm trying to think of the best example. I, I'm not going to pick two teams. Just two hypothetical teams where there's no massive positional group advantages. You know, it's a lot of mediocre on mediocre, or a lot of equal strength on equal strength, and in that case if the injuries aren't you know probably if the injuries are weighed into the market and you feel like that number is probably pretty fair for that you just look at it and be like man my number is my number this is 100 percent uh you know uh numbers based i'm not gonna put a lot of context in this and then there's some where it's like yeah there's oh jesus the the niners game this weekend like what what happens if we get a quarterback change right away tomorrow morning you know obviously shanny is gonna be real coy about that we're not gonna find out until pregame we've done that uh, song and dance before too but you know if it's game time decision for jimmy if that comes out and says it's we're gonna have to test him out before the game starts you yeah know, we're gonna see it we're gonna well, see some some we're gonna see some moves if you're if you're you know if your model likes the niners in that situation you know why you probably can you can probably wait and get a little more information you know because it's one of those things where um, one of the interesting things about this year, and I was going to mention one other thing about like the context, like COVID, <laughs> COVID took God. your models and said, yeah, you think you have any idea what's going on? Like, good luck, because you're going to have no idea how to prepare for who's playing, who's not. And one of the things about modeling, and we're working on um, a solution to make our modeling more robust to this, which is what happens not all it's not independent players on a field all doing their job and you know when one gets taken out it doesn't impact the others they're correlated and so if you lose two-thirds of your defensive backfield what does that mean right it's hard to do from a modeling perspective if you're top down and so you know with COVID, it's like that made it even harder because generally you're thinking about injuries it's like always one guy in the position group i can kind of tell like what that'll mean and we're not very good at that to begin with. But then when it's kind of these cluster things across the team, that that makes it even harder. And that's why I think we saw it this year. Generally, opening you know numbers provide a lot of value. And in this year, it didn't because there was so much information that like you just weren't going to know until the game kicked. Okay. Any any meat to the hypothesis that there are specific angles to mine in playoff football? betting that are not ever going to be captured by a model that's constrained on regular season data because i'll point to the cardinals rams last week and you didn't need to have power numbers 
everyone could you, you i couldn't have made a case for you that the power number difference between you know that that any kind of sophisticated epa informed model was going to give you better than minus four for the rams i bet it anyway because cliff kingsbury and kyler murray were making their first ever playoff start together and i just didn't believe in their them up against a team that's prepared well every single time they've been in kind of round one of the playoffs and you know had the experience advantage and then you know was the more healthy team and you know i i, I think there are other exa examples of stuff like that <clears throat> total might in the uh, chiefs bills game might be a good example like it's going to be real tough to come up with a math model that tells you 54 is fair but yeah. at the same time like both of those coaches are going to be um, like ultra aggressive yep. and there's going to be either you know there, there's going to be some some aspects of that uh game that are going to be completely unique sample size of one <laughs> kind of stuff that you may not be able to capture with a uh uh, any kind of a quantitative approach is am I cherry picking examples <laughs> here or is there potentially just the playoffs maybe just a little bit different I I think co coaching matters more is kind of the the crux of some of that that's interesting I, I I think you're there's something to the point around you you're preparing a little bit differently um now I always take issue with whenever someone says like a model will never be able to capture this because yeah, history yeah. history tells us that yeah, if you it's bet like against, the weather, the score, that's just not factored in. <laughs> yeah. Like if you, but if you bet against like technology and math, you're going to lose. I hate to break it to you. Um, like that's a fact. I, I love it when people go, oh yeah, like a machine will never be able to do this. Like you want to bet? <laughs> um, you know, it'll be cooking you dinner in, in two weeks, buddy. Um, but it's one of those things where you need, you need data. And the NFL is a – people talk about big data all the time. The NFL is small data. And playoff football is small data as well. And so, you know, if you think about a model prediction, and a lot of people get caught up in the prediction, the prediction is, has an error bar around it. And that you can think of as like the range of possible outcomes. When you get to the playoffs, that expands. And so your point there is I think really good, which is you will find narratives – that end up on like the extremes where you go, there's no way my model's capturing that because like I saw this extreme, you know, this, this outcome and it fits this narrative. Um, so I think we can do it. I think it's something that we should look to do a better job of with how do we actually model that? Um, you know, I can say like just thinking about models that we use, you know, the context is important. The spot variable is important. Like the fact that this is a playoff game is important. And can we get more nuanced data as our data set of football games grows that won't make the models too, you know, you can't give them a million variables because if you only have so many seasons of data, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. But like, I think those are areas where math will progress and, and we can start to, to do better. I would yeah. just, I'm still not going to be at the point where I'm like, you know, looking at trends with sample size 10 and going, <laughs> you know, here we sure, go. Sure. But at the same time, you could quantify what I said about the Cardinals Rams and say, there was a reasonable expectation that given a ban a distribution mm -hmm. of outcomes for the Cardinals, that they were going to land at the fifth percentile considering yeah. the situation. It was a reasonable was... expectation that the Rams were going to land at the 90th. Like, there wanna, was, there I, was, I don't, yeah. yes. don't want to throw yeah. anyone. How was it distributed? Matters. There, but, yeah, there was, yeah, there was a tweet or uh, a website that, doesn't use strong modeling, but it it had it had broken for the day. 
and it put out this is pregame. It said this game is going to be uh, the average score here is going to be thirty three eleven. So you should bet the under. And it was it was I'm not going to say it was because I don't want to throw it an okay place under the bus. But basically, their shit was broken and yeah. people were panning it. And then it turned out to be like almost, almost the right the score. Right score. Wow. It was it turned out to be pretty funny. But I definitely uh, agree. It's probably not there yet with some of the context around it. And then the sample size, the sample size problem is the problem you'll never get rid of. Once yeah. you start getting a big enough sample, they'll change another rule, another cardinal rule of the game, and you'll have to start throwing stuff out and be like, man, that's when extra points were closer, though. Like, how do we feel about those scores? You know, that yeah. that score distribution is completely different. Um, before we wrap up with you here, I'll give, me, I'll give you one minute. Sell me this Niners plus six. I I'm actually not I, I'm not going to sell you. Presupposing <laughs> Jimmy's healthy, I, War, Warner plays, Bosa plays, Jimmy plays. I, I think um, we I can all agree. All neutral. Um, Do we agree though? In neutral situation, everybody is healthy, rest is equal. Niners are alive, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. And here's here's the so I in complete candor have already bet the Packers at five five and a half. Oh, we do agree on this game. <laughs> yeah, when I when I guessed this when I guessed this line on Sunday night, I thought it would be seven. Okay, and I think that the narrative there is pretty freaking easy. Um, You're you about know, to get your wish, by the way. But go ahead. <laughs> so, but here's here's my I've got I've got something for you. Okay, all right. If you are going, if you have the hypothesis that Jimmy G, like his predecessor Jesus, can heal himself in three days, then. Then the Niners What's he gonna are going to do it the other three days. <laughs> the Niners are live because let me tell you, Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they are they're in the lab, okay? And he is going. I, I talked about this when they played the Rams. Kyle Shanahan drove Sean McVay to the stadium. Why? Because he's his legal guardian. And in this game, there's a chance that Kyle Shanahan is literally there to babysit the Green Bay Packers defense. Like he could be sitting up there just moving them around the field as he pleases. That's that's what he could do with this defense. And it it will fall apart if Jimmy G can't get it done. But here's the narrative. If you think he can, I think they're live to win that game. If they keep it within six, there's there's a decent chance they win that game. I would just take the money line. And here's the thing. That's what we did last week. Same argument. Same argument sure. as last week. Now, but here's where it extends. So I'm a Niners fan. When the Niners and Jimmy G win on Saturday night, you now become <laughs> the biggest Rams fan on planet oh, Earth. Yeah. And then that the Niners are in the Super Bowl, and that's that's my that's my glorious path and take on uh, on how this this could end up. In Ram, Jimmy G's Rams back Chief, or Niners Chiefs makes for a pretty good uh, oh PFF forecast. I, I can't take, I could not take that. I've already watched Jimmy G live in one Super Bowl. I, I don't know if I could do it again. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap here. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to your Niners this weekend, except for, you know, I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I think this is an alt, alt spreads. There you go. Packers kind of game. Packers minus 14. Yeah, play, play the alt spread. They, but, they yeah, either, win, they either win or they don't <laughs> in a hard way. So appreciate the time, George. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, fellas. See ya. Interesting, though, Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator of the uh, Packers, 
his last stop was with the Rams. Yeah. You see that picture that the, and it is a Redskins picture. I'm going to say Redskins because it's, that's who they were back then. That picture of, uh, McVeigh and Lafleur and see that, uh, yeah. like would they all look? They look like you're like yeah. three they, counselors yeah. at like summer <laughs> Bible camp. Well, they do camp look like camp counselors, like or or like or like they're coming yes. to your their your door with uh, literature. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, and, um, uh, George okay. George had uh, he had other. He's a busy man. He's all over media today. So we're not done. I know a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of shows. It's like, hey, we have a. We're not done, like Barankus. We got. Beat three zero by Rublev, first winner in the books for me for the Aussie today. Ruby, that was Ruby's fun. Rublev is a truck. Well, until he runs into Medvedev, presumably. Um, did the Hawks come back, Dan? Hopefully, the Hawks are coming back. Oh yeah, they are. Fuck yeah, let's go Hawks. Uh, let's talk about these games, Andy. Let's start with the first one, and uh, I'll let you kind of team me up here or uh, set the stage here. Uh, the only game that's not a rematch from a game we saw this season. It feels weird. It does feel weird. Feels like these teams should have played. Um, yeah. I bet this, this one, game they played last year. So I lost. Somebody, somebody we talked to on the side in the chats had a very strong feeling about this, and it got me thinking. And I went down a rabbit hole. He basically just said, "And this isn't some schmuck. I mean, this guy bets. He bets big money, and he says, hey, guess what? The Bengals aren't any good.'" Says you know it's a it's a fun offense against the right team, but like they didn't beat the Chiefs, they didn't beat the you know the, the Chiefs and the refs beat themselves. The, you know last week was the Raiders. What are you what are you gonna glean from that? He's like this is this is a rested team with a better coach and uh, a decent offense. Like this is a kind of a no brainer, and the market is tending to go that way. It is up to Titans three and a half. This opened on the other side of three. I I think we'd guess three. Then it opened a little lower and it's a two and a half. Maybe we did go with two and a half on this one. We're right around the right around what it did open there, but it's been nothing but Titans money. And I guess it it's it needs to be the homework we talked about. It's like, hey, is this an off is this a defense that is similar to what the Raiders did? Is this something that or the can they play like the Raiders but better? Can they keep this? Because honestly, if we're grading last week's game. I don't think the Raiders' defense did a horrible job. No, they, played, is, well. they, they is, played well. <clears throat> this is an explosive offense that has quick strike, long long play scoring all over the field, and they managed to slow that offense down, get him into third downs in the red zone and take advantage and keep the game close. And it was a close game. Don't uh, kid yourself. Like, the Raiders were very live to win that game, uh, despite being the Raiders. And I think this is a really big step up in competition. It's on the road. It's against the rest of the team. Against probably, where do you rate Lafleur right now? Let's just say the four AFC coaches, and we'll put Taylor last. You mean uh, I, you're talking about uh, oh, uh, Vrabel? Lafleur used to be Lafleur. Well, <laughs> no, by the I way, said, I said Lafleur. Lafleur. He used to be the O coordinator. He was the OC here. Yeah, that's why oh, I had him in my brain. I'm, I'm picturing Vrabel. Didn't do a great meant, job as OC there, by the way. Um, so, I mean. Uh, Vrabel among the four coaches is third for me. He's very close. To, he's he's very close to second. Like I, I don't think the okay. I don't think there's as big of a gap. He is third. I wanted you to just say that, but I think that it's it's one, two, three, four. Like there's yeah, a big old gap for sure. See, and and it's tough because we're 
Let's we're limiting talk about our, we're li- you know, but you're limiting your sample there. Like, let's take all 32 coaches. He's a top 10 coach. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 100%. He's, he's a, he's, oh, he's yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I was yeah. kind of getting at. Like, if, all the coaches left in the AFC yeah. are top 10. Some of them are top five. Yeah. This is a top 10 coach with an extra week to prepare. Yeah. And if, you, uh, if you're in, if you're hiring in this cycle and you're looking at defensive coaches, you will do well to find one as good as Rabel. Right, like he, like he would, you know, he he would be an immediate upgrade for at least two thirds of the teams in the NFL from last season. I would say, uh, so that makes him top ten. Um, the um, the what makes a good coach? Does he prepare his team well? Yes. Does yes. he ha- does he run generally good scheme and plus EV stuff in general? Yes. Um, does he develop his guys? Absolutely. In fact, some of their replacement level guys have really, really stood out and done great job kind of filling in holes for key injuries. Like that's probably one of his biggest strengths. Um, does he make good in-game decision making when the chips are down? No. That's maybe the one hole. His, his decision making where... in-game is a little weak. And I, and really, the black mark that will kind of forever live in the back of my brain for Vrabel will be that playoff game the second time around against yeah. the Ravens the first time around he was he understood the Master stakes class. he was like he understood the stakes because he was like this team is is world beating like we're gonna have to go out there and throw the perfect game and they did and then the second time around he was like literally like everything he thought of he needed to do in that game was backwards and he completely unwound them so um there is always that in the back of my head about Vrabel and hopefully it doesn't manifest until they face the Bills in the AFC championship game yeah, that that stunk. Like that game stunk, especially after what you saw from him. Because at at that point, I think going into that game two years ago now, mm-hmm. um, where the Ravens, it was Lamar's MVP season, but still a, a younger Lamar. Going into that game, I think we probably said, "Hey, guess what? Harbaugh has a big coaching advantage here," <laughs> and he got his lunch taken away from him. <laughs> so we and 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 that's the thing. You don't think maybe. You don't think about that, but with some of these guys who haven't won a ship, haven't even, you know, like McVeigh and Shanahan and now Vrabel, there's some coaches who are building up a ton of playoff experience. Yeah, there are. And that came back every year. Like these are not, you know, these are not coaches who are going to be ill prepared. They're ready for this. They have like assistants who've prepared for a lot of games they have quarterbacks now who've prepared i think that's a big part of it so getting an extra week here i I tend to agree with the move i'm not sure i'd lay it at three and a half anymore i probably won't bet this game Hmm. if if you made me if you said andy you have to bet money on this i'll give you the money but you're gonna bet it it's just i'll sell it to four then fuck it um because i mean can you can you make the opposite case what is the case if somebody says uh, make the case for betting plus three and a half here. Sure, sure, sure. I if I was betting that, you know what I'd do? I'd say bet the under instead. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I say rather than take plus three and a half, just bet the team total over for the um, for the Bengals because I, I think the way the they Bengals win defense, this game, the Bengals defense might suck. They might suck. And that's what I'm saying. I think the way they win this game is the Titans don't have a good day on offense. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I the Bengals. I don't know that the Bengals win in a shootout. I don't think they I do don't. either. But I do think we're going to get more more like a shootout. Um, couple thoughts. Your coaching comment was funny because it reminded me of a quote from today. Uh, so you're saying that the, the the coaches with playoff experience they're doing a lot of 
immediate like evaluation of the playoff game that they just lost and and then they're watching a lot of other playoff <laughs> games and collecting data <laughs> information so that they're ready for the next year is that what you're getting at that's that's these, yeah. these guys who are getting multiple trips to the playoffs and who are repping up yeah people who've won a super bowl in the past yeah that's we're obviously we're of obviously, all the names we're, we're lighting mike mccarthy on fire because his com- comments today were absolutely asinine um okay back to this game and this matchup joe burrow guts of steel unfazed by a road playoff game in this yeah. in you know and and being a dog i don't think that really is in, in a factor in this one at all um joe burrow still has dynamic set of weapons uh passing weapons in this game match up well against a uh a, a, a titans defense that has holes in the secondary uh and may not even be fully healthy by the way their main jack rapid jenkins may not be oh, able to go andy <laughs> this fucking guy um the uh in general joe burrow excellent against the blitz if the uh if any part of the game plan the tennessee titans roll out defensively involves generating pressure via blitz i'm worried about them um and uh ultimately uh the most likely outcome i see for this game titans get a great scripted portion nice get out to a nice lead put the Bengals in uh comeback mode and then we get something on the ballpark of 55 pass attempts from joe burrow and very little action for Joe Mixon in this one is where I'm thinking. Um, this is going to be the Joe Burrow. Can he get them through the back door kind of a deal? Um, and I think, so we, uh, yeah, we yeah. bet we bet a Joe Burrow under last week, and you kind of hit on the prop. I was going to talk about a prop with each one of these. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen the number, but I think the game script is more likely where Joe Burrow completions, Joe Burrow attempts, Joe Burrow yards goes over. Even though I said like. This game, you know, the best case for the Bengals is a lower scoring game where they don't have to keep pace. They're not us chasing. I think they're going to be chasing. I do agree that this game goes over more often. I've, I've kind of sl- slipped to your side of the bandwagon on the total there. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, I really think the Joe Burrow over completions is probably something I'll be betting on this weekend. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, we'll talk, we'll talk maybe about more so our, than the yards. Yeah. Because I think they I, yeah. I, I, I'm give me. Uh, is there a market that'll take a decent bet on attempts? Because literally, I'm like in the fifties. I'm not sure. Bet builder for sure doesn't have it. Oh, I, I. You should look around in the legal okay. books. All right, we'll poke around. Um, yards, attempts, everything. I think this is going to be a game where Joe Burrow is in a negative game state and he is throwing a lot. And honestly, um, it could work. You know, like there are some games, you know, the game I mentioned off the top, I bet last year, I bet I laid the points with Tennessee. I was a, I was a, I was a uh, Titans truther last year. I was drinking the Kool Aid. Uh, I was high on those mothers. And they went into a Cincinnati team that I thought was a joke, an afterthought, couldn't do much. Uh, Joe Burrow was, you know, making his fifth or sixth start, and I laid the six on the road with the Titans. And you know what happened in that game? They got their they got their uh, their teeth kicked in. Ultimately, uh, yeah, that was, was one way action. Bengals. It was very surprising. Um, I think the final was like thirty one twenty, something along those lines. Like it was a it was a pretty clear, decisive win. Bengals. Um, and that was kind of the first game we were like, oh man, the Titans really cannot generate pressure. Like everyone's been sacking Burrow and they just had nothing in that game. And you're just like, fuck man. Like that was uh that was uh, opportunity lost there. Um, and ultimately I really think uh, that's what, that's what I would be doing from a defensive standpoint and be like, I don't know if we can fix our coverage in two weeks. Be like, but we are going to have to figure out 
some rotational looks on the defensive line, some exotic blitzes, even though, you know, they're not a great pressure team. Just we have to find a way to manufacture pressure somehow against bad offensive line. That's how you win this game. So mm-hmm. um, Caesars has pass attempts, 35 and a half. That is bettable to the over. Oh, hell yeah. I like that. DraftKings um, too. God, I might just be in Iowa at the casino tonight. Just in time to drop the kids off at school. So here's here's a little data for you. Ready for this? <clears throat> here's some games from Joe Burrow's rookie careers, rookie year. Uh he was sacked three times in the opener, three times in the second game against the Philadelphia Eagles in game three. Sacked eight times. Yeah. Game five against the Ravens. He was sacked seven times. Cleveland got him four times the second time they played. You want to guess how many sacks the Tennessee Titans were able to generate when they played the Cincinnati Bengals last year? Uh, well, I feel like it's a question where this is low. It is zero. Is it zero? It is the yeah. only game that Joe Burrow played wire to wire that he was cl- clean uni. Only one that he had a clean uni. Um, and so, you know, if, if this is if this becomes a, a Kansas, you know, Cincinnati in comeback mode. And if it becomes a, uh, you know, if it and and if I'm right that the Bengals defense may be hot garb, um, I don't think it matters if Derrick Henry's available or not. AJ Brown's out there. That's what matters. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown, even Julio Jones may make a make a surprise appearance in this game. Uh, you know, and making a couple of deep plays to him. Um, this is this to me looks like uh, a game that, while it has a total that is the lowest on the board. Crazily lower than Niners, Niners, Packers, even Packers. Yeah, this has reasonable chance to challenge Bills Chiefs for highest scoring game of the weekend, in my opinion. Long tails. Yeah, yeah, but Burrow. Uh, but we'll get back to Burrow. That Burrow stuff is a fun way to attack the uh, the secret prop play. We'll come back to that. But over forty seven. I played over forty seven. Jig is up. Uh, I think this is a highest high ish scoring game. Um, and I guess, what are you expecting from here? Triple question for you. What to expect from, from, uh, uh, Derek Henry when you're expecting what to expect when you're expecting Derek Henry to play. Um, does he have a positive impact on the game and does it matter? Nope, nope, nope. I don't think he plays. Oh, this is the Deontay Foreman show then. Yeah. I, you don't think he plays. I think I think it's a week away. I think it's decoy shit. I, I think if he does play, it's it's very limited usage. So n- then again, no, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's quite ready. Okay. Like he oh. he looks thin. Like he looked like he lost that, some. Yeah, yeah. That, I wasn't gonna go there because who the hell knows what happens? You know what a guy does in a couple weeks to get himself in game shape, but. Yeah, the video clips we saw of him a couple weeks ago looked like he was a month away from having the game show. I, I, you know, I, I don't think. Well, his uh, comments behind the podium today were a little spooky too. Like he could drive, <laughs> like he was off yeah. of his legs for. Two yeah, I'm not. He has. A I, I don't. I don't. I, st- I don't think he plays. He wasn't Andrew Luck then. Nobody's. No, no, no. And actually, he he Kate has Moss. the upper body still. Like it looked like he was. His legs in, just it looked, looked like, like he was in the gym doing the upper body. But he had. Yeah. He has chickeny legs in general. They were real chicken legs when I saw them. Atrophied. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the hell. Who knows? So. Um. Okay. So form. This is the form show. Does that and now? Okay. So then I have a fourth question for you. Does that change in any way Tennessee's offensive approach to be less 
plus EV because I feel like they're the kind of stupid team in some ways that's like, well, we have Henry back. Now we can do play action again. No, I think, I don't think that much changes. I think you think we'll still see that, a healthy amount of play action. Yeah. They know what's good for okay. them. Hopefully they, they've called up Eric and George and they're being, those guys are us cagey. So they can't always tell us who they're working. Well, with. Eric and George are probably cheering for the Bengals. Yeah. I don't know. They're not Cincinnati guys. They live there. They went to a bunch of games, though. They got some. I, well, why would, why wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Uh, Eric Eric is a Chiefs fan and a Vikings fan second. Yeah, I don't think they're Bengals fans. So, and Cincinnati sucks. Like uh, Burrow said so. Nothing to do there. Game two. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's okay. get to game Let's move two. on. I'll set the table for this one. Um, the 49ers are coming in on short rest. They are playing the number one seed at home in a primetime game off of a bye. The 49ers have a quarterback who has a separated shoulder and a broken thumb who was meaningfully impacted visually and quantitatively in his post-shoulder injury in the Cowboys' win. Leak in oil, just get across the finish line beat the Cowboys, move on to Green Bay. Now they take on a quarterback who is elite, potentially back-to-back MVP, has a fully healthy uh, you know, team around him for the first time in a long time. Devontae Adams is a game-breaker that you cannot match up against. Uh, and uh, yeah, Spaghetti Chili Town. Spaghetti. Yeah. Spaghetti Chili Town. Um, the defense is fully healthy for the Packers and the Niners, the ni- the Niners on their, you know, in the best case scenario, the Niners are still one dimensional in this game where it's only rushing attack. Um, considering the rest disadvantage, considering the quarterback discrepancy here, why in the ever loving fuck is this a six point spread? I can't figure it out. I've bet this. I didn't get a five and a half. There was a six at a better price. There was a five and a half when I bet it. But there was a six with better juice. I don't give a shit about a five and a half. I went and compared. It's not that big of a percentage difference. So I'm sitting on a six. I like that. I think this, I think the Jimmy G news gets worse as the week goes. If he's a no go and it's a rookie, not only a rookie, but a rookie who didn't get to play much this year starting, um, I'm going to bounce the question right back to you seven and a half or eight? <sighs> eight. I mean, I think it goes higher. Yeah. Maybe 10, uh, it, honestly. It, it, yeah, there's not a big Nine difference. Once you get past eight, me. like it just keeps flying. Um, at, that point we're teasing. I'm, at that point, I'm sitting on Packers minus six and Packers in a teaser. I am catching a ton of deja vu all over again from the divisional round last year where the Rams went in to Lambeau and got delayed. Um, final score of that game was not indicative of how far apart those two teams were. That game closed Packers minus seven. Um, and honestly, you had Goff able to throw the ball for the Rams in that one. And you don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball in this one, um, which I think is a problem, ultimately. Um, the first matchup between these two teams tells us absolutely nothing, in my opinion. Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy. Aaron Rodgers was still rusty. Uh, the Niners were playing 11 on 18 with the Jerome Boker crew 
giving them 25% added win probability via penalty in that game, particularly late in that game. Um, and even still, the Niners could not pull off a win as Aaron Rodgers got, they left just a little too much time left. Aaron Rodgers hits Devontae Adams wherever he wanted to to move them into field goal range, and Mason Crosby, for the only, one of a few times this season, did not bottle it. Uh, and they win in San Francisco. Um, that market was San Francisco minus three-ish. I think it closed. Um, so it's a big adjustment, but obviously I think these are two very different teams. Green Bay is in a much better state right now. And, uh, I think realistically one of those things that the market, I think still has a very difficult time correctly pricing in the playoffs is the buy. Yeah. The buy is super important, especially for a team who's well coached. I think we can finally rest our hemming and hawing and LaFleur and say, he may never be a great coach. I think it'll be interesting to see him with a different quarterback, which could be as soon as next September, this <laughs> September. But um, I think for now I'm in the camp that he's at least a very competent to above average to good coach. I think the scheme, the leadership, dealing with Rogers bullshit gives him enough credit in my book to say he's a good coach. A good coach with a buy. I think he got even more credit in my book by playing his players in the first half, his starters in the final game of the season. I enjoyed that. Rodgers is looking sharp right now. Rodgers to Adams is deadly. The fact that they have been able to run the ball with multiple options, they have short stuff that's working. They have a couple of tight ends with big names that are working. They have some secondary receivers. Cobb might be back. They're getting healthy. Like, yeah, I, the adjustment makes sense, especially if the Niners have been playing the best ball maybe of their game or of the, their season late too but with this quarterback uncertainty the defensive injuries Warner and Bosa are playing like that's probably like probably heavy lean towards everybody's playing yeah. but that doesn't mean they're going to be 100 percent. that doesn't mean they'll be effective so I, I I'm fine with this adjustment and if we see Trey Lance yeah this could be 10 yeah I don't think yeah. that's out of pocket to say. Who knows what the market will do with that? It could really run with it. It could be anywhere from like seven and a half to ten. Shit could get weird if we see a rookie quarterback here. Yeah, we'd it could get, be. We would get our sixth um, first time starter in the playoffs this year. I've taken a decent position on Packers in this one. Um and I guess mentioned with the talking to George, uh, I don't think this is a crazy alt spread spot like there's a game state here in this game where the Packers come out and their scripted stuff is dynamite and they take a lead and then let's say it's a 14 point margin 17 three in this game what happens from that point forward what is what do the Niners do do they change their approach is it still run 70 30 or is this literally like okay Jimmy um how's the shoulder feeling we're going to ask you to drop back 30 times in the second half. Like, how does that play out? Packers pass rush has been sneaky good with a lead. Like they've had some, they've had some games where it's like, shit, they got a couple guys getting after it here. And they've brought some looks to the couple teams that have surprised, I think too. So yeah, if, if the Packers are leading by margin, that's, you can probably just go watch, you know, go watch some tennis. I don't know if this will be late enough on Saturday night where we have some tennis going on. 
We'll have another Saturday night uh, 47 to 17 kind of a game. Yeah, it could get real stinky. Sam Lipscomb here saying second half under. Yeah, and the Sam's obviously uh, not a stranger to the golf chat, as he's mentioning the Kittle, DeGuara, tight ends, uh, touchdown scorer opportunities. Wait, you get one of those. Packers alt spreads out to like 20 and a half. That'd be fun. We'll see what's available. It's hard to find That's those. That's why anymore. I think it is hard to find those. Very hard to get the get down on those, but yeah, I think uh, that I, I mean, honestly, that's that's where my head is at with this game. Uh, and I someone won't... someone brings up the the Brown and counterpoint Zelensky, the Browns and the Ravens games. <sighs> Were those long enough ago for you to say that was a kind of a different team? Like, I or what? What do you make of those games? Those I ugly. Don't really have a good read on that Browns game, to be honest with you. That was a really weirdly officiated game. The Browns were the 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 incentives in both of those games were very different. Right? The Packers, obviously, you don't want to give up home field advantage. It matters a ton. That buy is matters a ton. You're in this spot and you have the playoff, you know, the Super Bowl as you do because you got the buy. Of course, that's all true. But it didn't change the fact that there were huge distance, you know, huge differences in um, motivation and, you know, just just the general situation favored the Cleveland Browns emptying everything, the Baltimore Ravens empty everything to try to get back into that game. And the Packers literally just, yeah, we know we're we just need to win that need to be pretty. We don't get style points. Uh, and I didn't. I don't think that reflects on the quality of the team or the strength of the team. I don't think that people pointing to their average margin of victory, people pointing to some of the um, suspect wins that they had on their schedule, tells you much. Because ultimately, this matchup is about Aaron Rodgers and arrested Packers against Jimmy Garoppolo and a battered Niners with six days to prepare and effed up thumb webbing. Yeah, and I guess and a shoulder. A shoulder honestly, too. like the funny thing about the air, the conversation around the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo is like, if he was a hundred percent, he's still Jimmy Garoppolo, not Joe Montana. He's <laughs> Steve Young. Like you're talking about him going score like for Jim score Drucky with Miller. You're talking about him going score for score with Aaron Rodgers, who is peaking. Like I don't know, man. I don't I don't get the I don't get the market on this one really. I think this uh, should have moved more aggressively considering after it's kind of after the market kind of digested the situation we're in here. I'm surprised yeah. it was like the half point move, which didn't really feel like even that strong a half point move. Like there was, was initial resistance. Yeah. Initial bets on the Niners. It took it down to four and a half at some places. So hmm. I mean, I guess you can make some points, but yeah, people bring up the the Smiths, Gary and Clark, Sean Gary, and then uh, Clark, merciless maybe, uh, maybe. But uh, you know, Zuthiri Smith, like there's some good players on this on this uh, Packers defense. Doesn't get a ton of love because it has had some bad games. But uh, again, Jay Alexander's I mean, back. Yeah, the the um, Devontre the, Campbell, the linebacker, was all pro. The M- the MVP getting a buy, I, I think your initial point was just could have stopped there. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, like the market being unable to properly price in the buy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and home field 
in the playoffs traditionally is bigger. Of course. This is a known quantity. I believe this to be ba- I believe this to be baked into all the lines. Mm-hmm. But there will be no bigger home field advantage than a West Coast California team having to go play in zero degree weather. You know what uh, else helps a- home field advantage, Andy? <clears throat> um cumulative travel. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, the Niners the Niners moving around over the last few weeks. The Niners played week 18 on the road. Yep. They went to Dallas. They went to Green Bay. They're going to Green Bay. So that's three. This is their third straight roadie, number one. Late in the uh, season roadies. Late in the season roadies. Uh, and actually, if you go back to December 5th, so basically if you go back to Thanksgiving, that was basically the last time they had an extended home stretch. They went week 13 at Seattle, 14 at the Bengals. They were home for week 15 at Tennessee on the six, uh, week 16, home for the Texans, and then road, road, road. So this is their one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth road six game in eight. eight weeks. Sixth roadie in eight weeks. That's like a it's like a deep purple tour. It's like nasty, just all yeah. over all over the country. Nasty. Sixth roadie in eight weeks. Best of luck to you, 49ers. Um Part of me wants them to win, besides losing a bunch yeah. of money on the Packers. Part of me wants them to win because I actually, I, you know, I have a couple hundred thousand reasons to want the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Um, but the uh, and honestly, the you know Niners traveling for seven and nine <laughs> is, is, is a nice. It, it, that's it's nice. Like a, it's like an NBA yeah. or NHL thing. Yeah. Oh man, they they got a five seven and seven. And yeah, they got a seven and nine. What? Weeks yeah. traveled? Oh, road game? Whoa. And, um, and it's fun too. It's, it's not, it's not even so much the travel anymore. It is the, you know, the not having the cadence of the, the home games, having mm-hmm. to set up in different places. And yeah. being, if it were a division foe, like somebody they'd play a bunch, or like last year where it's like, shit, they played a bunch in Arizona. They're comfortable here. But uh, yeah. going to Green Bay again, they've played in Green Bay in the past. All right. Smoke and water. Let's move on. Let's keep going up the crescendo, up the ramp. I took some minus two because I thought that was a silly number, and I figured it'd go higher. So I have some bucks minus two. I'm not sure if I'm selling back yet. Talk Uh, me into it. There's a little two and a half momentum here. You could wake up tomorrow morning, and you might have lost your shot. I'm fine. I'll probably just sit on it. Threes are expensive right now. They're expensive. It's not flat. Um, okay. The uh let's look for example. Uh bet online right now is uh did I go to first half instead of game? I did. Bet online right now is three plus three is minus one nineteen. Uh bookmaker plus three is minus one fourteen. Pinnacle plus three is minus one twenty. So I think tomorrow morning I will not be shocked if we look across the board as two and a halfs. Um the general spirit of this matchup is exciting. This is going to be a good game. There are there is a case to be made for both teams. I think. Do you want to put on a Bucks hat or a Rams hat? I mean, I, I feel like I'd oblige you to have the Rams hat, wouldn't I? <laughs> or or would it, it would be funnier if you had to make the case for the Bucks. Uh, it's it's up to you. I'll let you I choose. I mean, I'll just I'll just make the you know the Bucks the Bucks one is pretty easy, isn't it? It's yeah. just. Despite losing two wide receivers to injury slash retirement, 
call it retirement, at least to quit, to quit his job, get fired on his day off. Um, <laughs> it's still such an explosive offense. And it's an offense that has found a little bit of a running game in the second half of the season, which is, I think, maybe a decent advantage, all things considered, from the first half of their season where they were throwing the ball in like 65% of downs, not having a lot of run scheme, a lot of run fits on tape. And then suddenly going with multiple different running backs, doing a half decent job back there. And it's like, oh shit, they could have run the whole time. So the fact that we are a less of a one dimensional offense, and it's hard to call them a one dimensional offense when it's such a successful one dimensional offense. Like, hey, you're just going to throw the ball a bunch? Oh shit, we can't stop it. Like, hey, this is the tight end. He's old. He just does army, army bank commercials. And oh shit, he's still smoked across the middle honestly the touchdown he caught what was that like, in what in what were and I, I mean it was just a it was just a broke coverage which is yeah really tough to do in the red zone honestly <laughs> but the fact that you let gronk just walk into the end zone is, is something altogether so it's it's probably predicated uh, on this offense and then probably the rush defense the rush defense limiting you know cam Akers is back it was exciting to see him run Run that well, was, run hard last week. That was. This is a. This is a step up in, in competition for a run a rush defense. This is going to be tougher to get that run game going against. We saw Odell Beckham play well. I don't think it's a. I mean, probably probably see some success through the air for the Rams. Stafford Stafford had a good game. And Stafford had not had a good game for like four weeks. He had eight interceptions in four weeks. He had a pretty clean game. That's what's, you know, if if you think, oh, he's, he's cleaned it up, that was an aberration, whatever. If you think that was more telling of where he's headed and last week was, uh, eh, you know, you, you got it done. You got, you, you got it done against a team that just wasn't ready. And truthfully, like, I don't know if I can say the Rams played a good game last week. <laughs> I know, right? I, I know their like, defense I, did. Their they, defense they played, did. They played well. Like they the won the game. Did, yeah. They won the game by margin. But just like I said at halftime, it's like this game is going to be so hard to evaluate because the entirety of it is Kyler Murray is playing the worst game of his career. And it's hard to tell. Like once you get to that point where the the one team is leading by margin, then it's just going to get worse for Kyler in that, in that game state the the situation he was playing was just going to get worse. And then not really getting to see the Rams in a competitive game made it hard to judge them. So I don't think the Rams are on the same level as the Bucks right now. And this should, I, I disagree with the market. I think it should be moving to three and a half. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, we'll do a little intermission before I give my Rams to comment a little bit on uh, some some tennis for the people in the in the chat there. Uh, Sabalenka is uh, is uh, playing poorly. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, she seems to have a mental thing going on right now. I would not back her in any way, shape, or form live. No. Um, the uh, interested in a uh, Diego Schwartzman live price because he's not playing poorly. Uh, he's just having a tough time. Uh, getting the breaks uh the taylor first tiafa match is 2-1 we are 24 minutes into this one that third game lasted an eternity 
this is going to be a long match. I'll take the over five hours. Are those two? Fritz. Are they using clay on some of the outer courts? <laughs> I don't know why that took so long. Fritz really, 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 really struggled to get that service hold. Uh, Diego's plus 350. That's worth some lunch money. I think that's a fun one. Uh, he's a high quality player, and he went. He's he's won down two in slams many many a time. Even though this yeah, is don't don't, don't bet Sabalink Sabalink at all. Like this no, was no, 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 this no. was always going to happen. Noops touched on it several times. Like we took other outrights based on like, hey, guess what? She's not long for this tournament. Right. All right. The Rams. For the Rams. Um, the Better first match of all of the first matchup between these teams, telling us blank. This is the one that I think tells you the most. And I think it tells you the most, not because uh, the Rams won and I want the Rams to win, <laughs> even though yeah. you would think that. Um, I think it tells you the most because I think going into that game, there will even going into that game, let's set the table, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were depleted in the secondary. They were dealing with injuries. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not have Antonio Brown in that game. He was missing for COVID, flu, or something like that. And it seemed like that was a surprise to them. Like they, he may have been an instrumental part of that game plan and then just poop was not evolved. Um, and, you know, in general, um, I will tell you that the defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a lot healthier in this one. In, the, in that first matchup, though, boy, oh, boy, did the Tampa Bay defense not have an answer for what McVay wanted to do in the passing game. The, the LA Rams came into that one with a plan A, and it worked superlatively. And I think that was mostly just because of scheme, uh, the way that they were, you know, deploying their wide receivers in the secondary and the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Todd Bowles tend to play aggressively means that they leave their second, their, their cornerbacks and their safeties on islands. And they say, Hey man, go do your job. And if you can buy your quarterback time, which the Rams offensive line has always done and did in that game, then he is going to carve. And even though that was a 10-point final score, I watched every minute of that game. It felt like it could have been 40. Like, that was a one-way contest. Tom Brady threw the ball, like, 55 times. Could You know, he really just he couldn't get it done in the red zone. He, he was under duress up the middle from Aaron Donald at times during that game. He was pressured the most that I had seen of any game where he had a fully healthy offensive line. Uh, and I think it. I came away from that one thinking, man, I have a Bucks future. I bet the Bucks in that game. Number one, I was stupid for betting them in that game because the Rams obviously prepared like crazy good for that and treated it like the early season Super Bowl. And number two, as a Tampa Bay future holder, I sure as hell hope that they don't run into the Rams during the playoffs this year because that's a bad matchup for them, period. Like, you know, at full strength, they are they are hanging on by a thread. And I will tell you, the fact that the offense is not at full strength helps the Rams defense that much more. Uh, I think the Rams defense, we can take some real signal from their performance last week against the Cardinals. They're not going to be, you know, Tom Brady's not going to melt like a, like a snowman like Kyler Murray did. Um, but he certainly is going to have to find in, innovative ways to beat these guys. Um, the fact that you have potentially Von Miller going up against the backup left tackle is enticing. We don't know if Werfs is for sure not going to be available. Yeah. Um, but if he's not, and if that is the matchup you have on hand, that's going to be exciting. Um, Aaron Donald is still the best defensive player in football. Sorry, TJ Watt. You're not the best defensive player. You're the second best. You just have the best stats this year. Aaron Donald is the best. Uh, and you can only triple team him so many times without it costing you in this game. And realistically, the running attack, if they try to reintegrate Leonard Fournette and they're throwing him seven, eight targets in this one, I'm feeling that much better. 
Uh, love to see what kind of sh- game shape he's in. I'm sure Lenny Fournette's the guy that keeps himself in great, great shape, right? I don't like know, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just pops up and has good games sometimes. It's annoying when you bet against him. I think like, it's different why is he good in game today? shape versus not. Um, why yeah, is he good? I don't we'll know. See. Um, but whatever the case is, I'm not really fearing playoff Lenny. Um, and, you know, the disparity in quarterback weeks. experience is somewhat muted here. The gap last week was, was the Grand Canyon. Him and Jalen Hurts and Brady. The gap between Stafford and Brady is not as great. Uh, and honestly, I kind of like. Yeah, I think it. We- I think it's probably a little bigger. Stafford doesn't. Hurts, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hertz, yeah, Hurts. Well, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you. Okay. Hurts. Did Hurts have a better playoff game than Kyler Murray? Yes. That's, yes. That's so yes. bad. Mostly because of garbage time, but still. Yeah, I mean, still, that. but like. I, I mean, Hurts didn't. He did. Hurts threw a took points off the board by throwing an interception in the red zone. Um, it wasn't as bad. Kyler Murray threw one in his Kyle own Murray's red zone. <laughs> gave them gave them twenty. Yeah, you know, got them to twenty one nothing, and the game was over. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, that's <laughs> that's a fair question. Funny question. That is a fair question. Um, the uh, the general um, yeah the general read I have for this game is these two teams are pretty equally matched, and Rams have a bunch of matchup advantages. Uh, it's really just a matter of um, does Tom Brady have one more magic performance in his hat? And he's because you know it, still the the Buccaneers play with swagger; they are the kings, and it's tough to it's, it's tough to kill the king, particularly when they're at home. And it's going to be um, you know it's going to be a rocking environment for the Buccaneers. Rams traveling across country, playing a little early, not ideal. Um, you know there are some small situational things that I'm a little concerned about, but I think everybody has kind of said this. You even said it to a degree. If Stafford plays a clean game, we've got ourselves a ball game. We got a good game. Like yeah. I'm, I, I wish I hadn't bet this, and I might buy out. If, <laughs> if the market ever comes heavy Buccaneers and this turns to three and a half, I will have both sides of the three, one hundred percent, and I will just enjoy this one and cheer for. <laughs> I've been sorry, but cheer for Bucks minus three. Yeah, at that point, or uh, Bucks that- win by three. I have to have people were calling for Minshew before halftime. That's true. I know that that, that happens every game. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. They were calling uh, for Minshew before halftime. I saw people calling for Colt better. McCoy. Also, I was calling for Chris <laughs> Strevler. You wanted Strevler, I know, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it, it was that was a weird one. Uh, you know, I I still think. <sighs> I'm not. I'm. I'm drinking the hopium. I have got the Rams hopium pumping through my veins. There is no denying this. I have not bet. I've not taken any of my um, liability off the table here. I have about. I have a something. I have a forty-five thousand-ish reasons to want the Rams to win this game, um, and uh, ultimately, I think they're going to be competitive, and I am going to enjoy this one. Cross my fingers that we get a win. No, no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no opinion. Yeah, no opinion. <laughs> the the crescendo, the denouement, the creme de la creme, the game of the century. This one's going to disappoint. I feel like because we're so pumped for it, but because the Bills man, are going to just absolutely wagon. Two of the most fun offenses over the past little while. Actually, the Bucks offense is a truck sometimes too, but these offenses were definitely on display last week. The Buck or the Buffalo Bills with the so-called perfect game um, uh, where they just really 
couldn't be stopped, especially on third down. Almost annoyingly so. If you had bet against the Bills, it had to be just maddening to watch third downs. Had to watch them just convert everything. Had to watch Josh Allen scamper. Um, they've become, I mean, it's a lot of similarities to the Chiefs as far as like, oh, man. And Josh Allen is going to be, you know, a lot more scripted runs. But some of those runs where are they're not scripted, those are just deadly. Just like you saw with Mahomes, you know, in the season, last season leading up before he had the foot injury, some of the worst plays a defense could see was good coverage. Good coverage, keep containing the edge, a little bit of a gap opens up where the guard was started out for the play, and all of a sudden Mahomes is 13 yards downfield sliding. Annoying to play against that sort of thing. Um, the, the case for the Chiefs is they spread the ball all over last week. They got a lot of different people involved. The case for the Bills is offense is looking as good as it's looked in two years. Like that was the best game they've ever played under Josh Allen. Maybe, uh, maybe, th- maybe the Vikings game where they were twenty point underdogs and won by like three scores. I mean, Andy, when was the last perfect game of any team? It's never. I don't. I, I, it's I, never happened. Prob- they said. That's never happened. No, 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 no. It's never happened where a team has done that. And and it happened against Bill Belichick. Offensive game of all time. So so here's the thing. You know, people say, are they peaking too early? There is no doubt they peaked too early. <laughs> like, the, just because you're not, like, they are going to have a worse yeah, offensive game. Yeah, you want that game. in this, you want that in this game. Yeah, right. Yeah. They are going to have a worse offensive game, but they can still score 30 this week. I'm off this game. I'm not betting it at all. I just want to watch this. What do you think of the market? Why the market is the Bills makes, side so hot? The market makes sense. We said this. The Bills are going to be the money. The bills are going to be the smart money. The bills are going to be the early money, and the late money is either going to be public or buyback. Or you know, if people wanted the Chiefs, I think they know. I think smart pro betters with big money, big positions know that they're probably a little contrarian this week, and they can wait to bet the Chiefs till later in the week, and they'd get a better number. Like we said, this probably ends up back at two and a half if not only pushed by public and late money and the fact that it is, like you said, when George was here, the late game, the get back game, the night game, the premier Sunday night game, the public's just going to want to bet the chiefs. They haven't had a chance to bet the chiefs at a number like this in a playoff game at home, whatever, like uh, the, the closest thing could have would be a neutral site Super Bowl game. And I mean, this is arrowhead. This is minus one and a half. Even if it's minus two, two and a half, Public will be loving that, like a pig in shit, betting that on Sunday. Hmm. So this gets pushed back. Like you said, if you want the Chiefs now, bet them now. If do, you want the Chiefs, think, do you think you the want books, the Bills? I don't the, think it ever gets to three. If you, you are a bookmaker, are you setting up right now a synthetic position on the Bills, essentially? It doesn't seem like they're taking a position because there's, there's no key numbers. Okay. Like I think they probably just let this one hash out wherever wherever it bees, wherever's it be. I think if you are a bookmaker, you're probably sitting on more Chiefs to win this AFC Chiefs to win the Super Bowl tickets, hmm. but possibly taking a worse um, beating if the Bills do it. Even if you have smaller tickets, I think the liability from Bills numbers might be worse. So I'm not sure if they're taking it. I don't think. Do you think this is a real Kevin Stefanski? Probably. Probably. Best of luck next Thanksgiving.
or did you uh, type that? <laughs> I typed that, yeah. Um, he's going to have an easier schedule next year, so he may be able to do well. Uh, okay, I hate to even go here, but should I be nervous about the fact that John Hussey is refereeing this game? He is the most lopsided referee in terms of home field advantage of every referee crew in the NFL. And he does and he does not call pass interference. So the Chiefs can literally go out there and just tackle digs. Digs. Hold digs. I think you probably should be, especially since it's a good it's a good home field. This isn't gonna be like what we saw with the Rams with the Niners game where it was like, oh man, the Chiefs, there's a you know, there's a lot of Bills fans here. (laughs) Like the Chiefs have a very good fan base. So I I think you probably should be a little worried. I hate that we have to handicap refs, but boy, it, it's come up a couple times already in the playoffs or right leading up to it with the with the Bengals Chiefs game. So yeah, you should probably be worried a little. But um, yeah, the All Star crews, Boger Boger ran a crew, and this this is the point too. It won't be his crew. Oh, okay. He, they he really is, do mix and match to the crews. Yeah, they they, just, I thought they just did that for the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm gonna have to check into this. I I trust uh, the half. Yeah, I might be wrong. He won't have his normal guys deep, so it might be a different back judge. It might okay. be a different. Who's the is it the umpire? Who's the guy that's deep? Uh, yes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Well, line judge, side judge, the uh, umpire. I have a sincere sincerely held belief that we are we are going to see something pretty outstanding here from um josh allen in these playoffs yeah very 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 excited to see him uh kind of reach his potential he played at an mvp level last week he doesn't have to give us a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination the bills just need to call the good plays which is him running you know designed runs for him and aggressive pass plays on the uh, on long distance early downs, and I think they realize now that that is the way that they make this work. And I really don't know what the Chiefs' defense can do differently in this matchup to perform better, despite the changes in the roster in terms of player availability. Chris Jones obviously matters. Melvin Ingram has done a good job of pass rushing. Patriots couldn't generate a lick of pass rush against Josh Allen last week. And even when they could, he extended plays Ben Roethlisberger, young Ben Roethlisberger style, uh, and picked apart the pass defense down the field. Um, A lot of advantage matchups here for the Buffalo Bills offensively. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm literally, I think, I'm nervous about this game and the Chiefs winning ultimately by having the ball last and Mahomes doing something impossibly amazing because he's got that ceiling. Um, but the first Mahomes turnover, I'm, I am all of a sudden like, here we go. Because I don't think the margin of error is there for the Chiefs. I don't think they can afford the key turnover in this game. They, they, the onus, even though they're home, even though they're a favorite status, the onus is on them to play the perfect game in terms of not turning the ball over, in my opinion. Because one extra possession for the Bills with these offenses effectively equal, maybe the Bills' offense is better. And, you know, I personally think the Bills' defense is better just because of their ability to play the too high safety look with uh, Poyer and, uh, uh, hide. Uh, realistically, one 
turnover in favor of the Bills. A plus one turnover differential in favor of the Bills, I think, seals this. You have a feeling on that? If the Bills are less likely to win, lose the turnover. Oh yeah, well, the Bills are the Bills better than 50-50 to win the turnover battle in this game based on the balance of what you've seen these two teams play this season. If the Bills, if the Chiefs defense plays where they play, yeah. If the Chiefs defense steps up at all, like if we see the improved defense we've seen a couple times down the stretch, I think they can afford to lose the I think they can afford to lose the turnover battle by the one. Like you start talking multiple turnovers. If if one team, I mean, it's so obvious to say, and this is such a thing in every game, but if you know if they lose uh, the turnover battle by margin, it's not the kind of game where you can get away with something like that. The way the the ways the Bills' offense is humming right now. Okay, what's your expected so, game state here? My ex- my expected game state is the Chiefs leading, but not ever by two scores. I think it, it's like a back and forth where it's, you know, it's 10-3, 10-6, you know, 13-6, 13-10, something. Like that doesn't work, two safeties. You know, whatever. We we have the, you know, we have the the Bills chasing a lot, and it's close at the end. Or I think last team, like you said, last team with the ball is either kneeling or driving for the winning score. I think this is okay. going to be a good one. I hope it's a good one. <sighs> We're going to do the halftime show for this one, right? Oh, yeah. We'll do the night games again, right? Yeah, I think so. I'll be around Saturday. Yeah, I will too. Still um, working on these shelves. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Andy, what is the secret pod? Prop? I don't know. Oh, I'm not in the Discord. Pod play. No, no. The secret pod play. That They have the, the deep dive Discord secret prop play, which we don't know because we haven't was, joined yet. Have you joined it? Like, I think it was Julio. I, I forgot to. Mm. I'm gonna join after right after we end this call. I'm joining. I will so too. I find I will out too. what the secret um, uh, see what the deep dive Discord secret play is. Packers game. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't have a. I think this one's pretty high scoring, but it's a lot to ask for a team total in this one. I'm against the Bengals, but. I think they get the the offense is clicking even if it's late. Bengals team total over as a dog. What do you get there? That one keeps you resilient from the fact that Tennessee could no show. Twenty one and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, uh, I'm you gonna know what? You. Packers. Packers are scoring twenty seven. They're scoring twenty eight. Okay, let's take this the Packers. Is, Packers aren't the Packers aren't coming out of this game without 28 points and there's there's that one's resilient because if the running if the rushing attack for the Niners is working and if they are putting scoreboard pressure on Green Bay Green Bay is answering Green Bay is answering yeah I mean if Green Bay doesn't cover they're still getting to 28 points I'm not I'm not super worried about that one in fact we can get 26 and a half uh, at a couple of spots here for a decent price so let's do Green Bay Packers over 26 and a half that way, I'm not Perfect. double dipping on my over in the first game. Perfect. All right, Green Bay over. I'm I'm down with you there. Okay. Call it a night. Good. And also for the player prop, I like Burrow passing attempts over. Yeah, thirty. Fact, what was it? Thirty-five points. Bet that fucker. <laughs> Whatever it is. I can, yeah, if if you can find alts on that, I don't hate that either. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm gonna turn tune in and watch the end of this Hawks T Wolves game. We got a 
10 point game with three minutes to play. I need the Hawks to put this away. I lay the two uh, on the Hawks. What a comeback for Dan's Hawks. Man, nasty. Team is Kevin, nasty. Kevin, Kevin Herter, he's something, something stirred his spirit. I believe this it's, week. I believe it's Huerter. 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 Something, um, something, yeah, something has gotten into him. Martin Luther King week. That, that's it. That's he it. He had, had the jersey. That that's was such it. a weird, such a weird thing. Schwartzman is not going to win. It doesn't look like. He's it was weird too. Showing, we watched. Showing much we watched uh, Aretha last night. You did the, the flick. Yeah, I hadn't seen that yet, and that was heavy. That was heavy Martin Luther King content. It was just weird timing. It's great stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I I, was, I, I prefer to watch. I prefer to consume my Martin Luther King Jr. content in collectible form. <sighs> Dear. But <laughs> but I understand how you can appreciate it on on the big screen. Um, Jennifer Hudson was great. Good flick. I'd watch it. Glad okay. I didn't go to the theater, but still okay. good one at home. Let's play the trailer. Right, Let's that, give the people the trailer. Give them the trailer. Andy. sat through 90 minutes they deserve it gives me the freaking goosebumps man Oof. i think Oof. my basketball did good today i'm about to go check the rest of the scores did, uh, did, did the, uh, the hawks can hold on here i'm looking at a nice little two-month start to my nba day which delightful 